0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. the poster said, See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13.
1: Yeah, it, it uh, allowed me the opportunity to watch both Baby Driver and. Um, uh, the new Planet of the Apes. What did you think of those two? I like I like them both. Very different okay.
0: movies. Um, I've I've seen neither, so I was kind of curious. Baby Driver appeals to me. Yeah, I think you would like that one. I mean, I've seen the scene with the John Spencer Blues explosion. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of the John Spencer Blues Explosion, though I do not believe that an 18 year old kid would be a fan. But I'll let that slide. <laughs> yeah, the music is a huge part of the film, obviously. So I think you would enjoy that aspect. Yeah, so I, I seen that scene. I, I liked that scene. It looked fun. Um, I've never been a Planet of the Apes guy. I mean, I don't hate it, but I don't, I don't get it. It's kind of the. I saw the
1: like, I saw the James Franco I, reboot. Like, yeah, the beginning of this series. I didn't see the second one, but then I'd heard such great things about this one, so I watched it, and it was good. I mean, it's a good, yeah,
0: good epic, I guess. Like, I mean, I wasn't really a fan of the originals, like yeah, the Charles. So Heston. when they brought it back, yeah, like I'm like, I mean, I don't hate him. I mean, it's Charlton Heston. He overacts, whatever. I mean, and I mean, I know the famous, you know, you fools. Mm-hmm. I can't believe what you, and uh, you know. I, I'm not trying to say it's a bad movie, I know, it kind of is, but like I don't hate them. I just don't love them. and when they came back, like people like talked about it, like it was like, "Oh my God, I can't believe they're remaking Planet of the Apes." and I'm like, really? like this is okay <laughs> <laughs> So it's one of those things I just missed the boat on.
1: yeah, I mean I it was good. I enjoyed it like it's not uh I don't think I'd watch it again.
0: Okay, then, then, I won't make a real effort to see it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, what's it, his, it's a
1: beautiful movie. Like they did an excellent. Job. I like
0: Andy Circus. Yeah, you know, he's, he, he's good. I I I don't know who said it, but they said that uh, he's probably going to win an Oscar in thirty years. Like they'll give him a uh, like an honorary Oscar for inventing this kind of acting.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. Like, so, it it did make me think, I mean, I know an average amount about apes, I guess, but okay. it, it, the way they really sought to humanize them was interesting to me. Like, I don't know, like, I wonder if some scientist watched the movie and was like, that's bullshit, an ape would never do that. <laughs> and obviously I know that, like, part of the whole thing is that they're genetically enhanced yeah.
0: and have more human features, but... He would never operate a machine gun like that. He would totally prefer the <laughs> – a regular assault rifle.
1: <laughs> OK. I wasn't thinking about that. Like
0: they no, – the way they no, – I was kidding. I know. I know. I know. Yeah. No. I, I, no. I, I'm, I don't know. I think they do a pretty good job nowadays of at least consulting scientists and deciding what rules they're going to break. Yeah. That, that seems to be standard operating procedure in Hollywood these days.
1: Yeah, admittedly, that's a pretty stupid bone to pick about a movie about apes warring, <sighs> like bonding together to war against humanity.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's fine. Like, uh, I, I get it. You don't want them to act – I mean, I, I do see what you're saying. You want them to still act somewhat like apes. They need to be based on apes.
1: Yeah, they just were kind of like – other than the fact that only one of them, or I guess two, spoke any English – they were just kind of like fuzzy human beings. Yeah, okay. Which I guess is maybe some, <laughs> part of the message. But I, I did like – the one thing I appreciate about the movie is it's a very clear send-up to Apocalypse Now, which I love Apocalypse Now. Okay. Um, I The only thing I hated was that – I guess spoiler alert. It's not really a spoiler, but they they do some nice visual allusions to Apocalypse Now. And if you've seen the movie, there's some very clear visual visual clues to it. But then there's a part in the Planet of the Apes where they put ape Apocalypse Now, and I was like, come on, oh, like, God, don't okay. hit me over the head with it. Like it, I was appreciating it's like
0: a- it. It's like I got it. I don't need you to tell me. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that. Like, I like it when they do an homage to something else. Like, I get it. I'm I'm film literate. And like, you know, when they do the Odessa film sequence, I know what they're talking about. You don't need to have someone walk out with a newspaper that says October on it. Right. I mean, I got it. <laughs> yeah, There's a really I, nice. I know it's the October. There's yeah. a good
1: scene where like. They do – this is the scene that really captured it. It was like they do a scene with Woody Harrelson who is like the lead general or colonel or whatever. And they yeah. sort of just do a fade like where he comes into the picture up and he has like black face paint. Like very much like Colonel Kurtz, Marlon Brando character in
0: Apocalypse Now. Okay. I was like, that's
1: the perfect illusion. Like done. You don't need to mention yeah. it again.
0: And like everybody watching it knows that. that's a famous yeah. shot. Yeah. It's like know, a, like... a very famous film shot. So, but Woody
1: Harrelson's no, great. in Uh If you look, he's he's great in everything. I know. I, I, I just saw,
0: the only thing I have seen is the uh, three billboards. I I, I finally oh, saw that. that. I it's really good. It it feels like an early Cohen brothers movie, which is about the highest praise I can give something. No kidding. Yeah, I want to see that one. And we saw uh, Lady uh, yeah. Bird a couple weeks ago, which is oh, was that was that good? Yeah, it's so good. It really is. Yeah. Like it's getting praised out the wazoo. I mean, this is the year, the time of year when all the you know, the big stuff comes out, but Yeah, you should see Lady Bird. I think you would enjoy it. Yeah, that's on my list. So, I mean, like you know, with kids it's hard for me to see anything. Like what I do at Christmas is I'm put in a big order with, you know, with any Christmas money I get. I go to Amazon and then I just order a whole bunch of movies that I want that I didn't see over the course of the year. Yeah. And some of them already have their movies out, and some of them don't. So, what's cool is first, I get a big batch of movies on like, you know, two days later. But even better, like half the movies aren't out on DVD yet. And as they get released, they get delivered to my house. So, it's sort of like these little packets, you know, these little presents I've bought for future me. Yeah, that's fun. So, like, I'll eventually see you know all of the i don't want to say all of the oscar contenders i'll normally skip one or two that don't appeal to me um but you know some snooty artsy sh- shit as well as you know you know your your shoot 'em up blockbusters that i missed out on
1: of course i still need to see thor i mean not quite a shoot 'em up
0: but yeah you know but yeah blockbuster I, I, action exactly like i haven't seen logan i'm just waiting for it. i mean i know it's out on dvd now and it's too close to christmas to buy anything but if you if you buy something for yourself at this point of the year you're just a jerk you know <laughs> leave stuff open for people to be like hey i i think he would like that logan's good yeah yeah it, it, it seems up and that one seems up my alley so you know we'll we'll see but yeah, that's our uh, that's our Oscar preview here on the Sneaky Good Podcast.
1: I feel like we do we hit that usually every
0: oh, every year. This is our second year, but yeah, it, it's it's hard for us to preview when we uh, don't actually see the movies in advance. Yeah, it, it's kind of it's more of a, it gets delayed a little bit. I do, yeah, we can talk about it later. But I actually I, I think Middle Brow Films. Underrated at this point, yeah. I I, th- I think they they've got a stigma attached to them, and I actually think there's something to be said for a well crafted movie aimed at adults. Yeah, that's that's that's, uh, that's a good point. That's not at the same time like the most you know. That's not Fellini. Like there's a happy middle ground. Like you can make. Uh, I like that the Oscars at least try to. Uh, Say, hey, we make good movies for adults too. We promise. Not everything's aimed at adolescents. <laughs> yeah. So, youths. And look, and look, I like a lot of the stuff that's aimed at. I mean, I'm not a comic book nerd. I love comic book movies, but like, I get it. Like, and I even like, you know, frou frou art movies. So, like, I like all kinds So I just don't get offended When You know Oscar is what it is If that makes any sense This is a total A bit of a tangent Yeah
1: But you used the phrase uh, Fru-fru And I'm reading a novel That references War and Peace Which had a The phrase Uh. The phrase Fru-fru is in that In War and Peace And it it made me wonder If that was the The origins of that phrase Or what are the
0: origins Of that phrase Now you got me all curious Maybe it is because I really don't know. I mean, War and Peace. What is that like? I mean, when was it written? Um, Mid eighteen hundreds. Yeah, I was thinking. I've never read it. That's possible. I've read bits of it. I can't say I've read uh, Russian literature is a big. (laughs) It's a chore. Yeah, it's not – it's really – anything I've read, I've really enjoyed. But at the same time, it's – yeah, it's so daunting, I think is the best word for it. Yeah. Not so much a chore. I mean, but every – I mean, Dostoevsky and all that stuff, I mean, they are these massive tomes. And, you know, you really have to – you know, you have to want it to – it's it's hard to do it as a, like a little bit of pleasure reading on the side. Um, I, I mean, outside of Solzhenitsyn, I really haven't read any Russian literature. I mean, I've – you know – i heard a little bit of War and Peace, but not like the whole thing, you know, because I was in college and I was just trying to get the basics. Yeah. <laughs> I had a test. I had to hurry through. Exactly. Um, that, that's a big gap in my knowledge of my literary knowledge. I should go back and fill that. I feel I read I feel uh, right the, the
1: summer before my before going to college. I read Crime and Punishment, which I loved. Yeah. yeah never. I haven't read one word of it. And then I've read, mm. like, various short stories, but I've never done, like, the uh, like Anna Karenina.
0: Yeah, like, or, and yeah, and I've, I've read about it. It seems like something I'd love. Like, Anna Karenina has a really cool plot. Like, I've read summaries of it, and I'm like, ah, oh, that seems like something I would like. And, nope, just never get around to it. Maybe that was the one that rep- that said Fru-Fru. I don't remember. It's one of those Tolstoy tones. Yeah, Tolstoy, whatever, you yeah. know. But, no, it could be. You know, he's... Yeah, you know, the guy could write. I'm just saying. Um, But yeah, just never – outside of Solzhenitsyn, nothing nothing Russian. This is LSU podcast. (laughs) Yeah, this is LSU. We're 10 minutes in. We've talked about movies and how I don't read Russian books, Um, which I guess you would expect out of an LSU fan that I am illiterate. I actually read a lot, but – I've I've fallen off the wagon because kids again ruin everything. But yeah, let's actually talk about LSU football. I let's mean, at least it. for like a minute or two. Are you,
1: are you going to do your intro? Did you already do? You kind of no, did I'm, like a half version I, of it. I kind of mentioned. I was like, yeah, hey,
0: it's a sneaky good podcast. I'm Poser. That's Dan.
1: Um, we're back after yeah. another hiatus, <laughs> yeah, well, it was only one week, <laughs> I know it was Thanksgiving week, and it just schedules yeah. were not kind, yeah, we tried, and it it just didn't work and so well, I went to Hawaii, yeah. and I saw so you know that was my uh, gearing up for that, and you have kids and family and
0: all that yeah, yeah my uh mother in law she invited fifty uh, fifty one people were at oh her my house, gosh. Yeah, I know. Fifty-one people. Like that's, it's too much. Just saying, it's a little too much. Did you have to? But, did you like cook for all those people? She does. She does two turkeys. Uh, they fry one, and she, you know, um, bakes one. Like you know, you know, classic in the oven. Yep. Um, but she doesn't fry the other one. Someone else comes over and does that, and then someone else brought a ham. So basically everybody – because when that many people are coming, everybody gets assigned something. Of course, yeah. Like you're in charge of this. So um, our family, I I baked pies and my wife made a a squash casserole. Awesome. And then other than than that, we we were there for labor. We had to supply tables, chairs, and setting up. So – As one does. And I got out of and I got out of cleaning this year. Normally I have to do dishes, but this year I timed my nap perfectly. Like so. <laughs> you I woke up and you're like, Oh, look at that. Wow. I I don't mind cleaning during Thanksgiving. I actually kinda like it, but just missed it this year. So But yeah, see we completely avoid trying to talk about this football game. Um <laughs> Yeah, we beat A and M. We we beat A and M seventh seventh time in a row. Soundly again. Yeah, it got it got a little nervy in the third quarter. My mom gave me a call, Uh-oh. which is always a that's the that's east. always a bad sign. Yeah, if my if my mom calls me during a game, it's probably bad. Um, and she was very nervous in the third quarter. She was unhappy.
1: I feel like every uh, every game this season has had like nine or ten minutes of peril, and then we either <laughs> we either overcame it and demolished them, or just didn't overcome it. Enough. Actually, that's a
0: pretty good point. I hadn't even thought about that. But if you think of the the theme early in the season, it was a team that didn't deal with adversity very well. Like, at the slightest sign of adversity, they kind of threw in the towel mm-hmm. in, in September. And then, if you're saying there was these moments late in the season, in the third quarter, they'd have their nervy moments. They completely busted through and turned them all into blowouts. And I think – nothing else that shows the transformation of the team. Definitely.
1: Yeah. Cause it was like, so it was sort of, we pretty much handled the first half until the very end. They got that drive and touchdown. Yeah. And then uh, they get the ball back and then they capitalized touchdown on that. Again.
0: Yeah. And that was exactly. when it really got like, oh shit. And the, and then LC went three and out. So yeah. it's 20 to 14 and a.m. Got the ball back. And now that's what my mom called. <laughs> and and you're kind of like, well, uh, you know, Poser's Law is in effect. This was L- – LSU had totally dominated the game up to this point. And look, A&M was on the verge of giving up in the first half because they have a lot of off-field things going on for themselves. And by failing to put in the death blow, you let them up off the mat. And now all of a sudden they're excited and now they're kind of having their win-one-for-the-gipper moment. <laughs> and it's 20 to 14. You know, they have the ball, the, the LSU crowds quiet, not quite packed to the gills or maybe not back from halftime yet. Let's just, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt. And then, um, I think that's when Dante had the interception. Yeah. I think and so. Dante Jackson comes up with just a huge interception. And honestly, same thing to start the game when A&M got the ball off an LSU fumble and greedy came up with the interception. That was huge because that, Change the tenor of the game Yeah it definitely did So both times LSU was in trouble Of losing the crowd Losing the emotional edge um The defensive backs came through
1: Yeah and from there, It was just sort of all she wrote Like we continued to pour it on
0: Yeah it got ugly real quick
1: uh, I was I mean, never was, uh, I was never I mean what was your concern level cuz I wasn't terribly concerned just because we had moved the ball so well that I thought they're not going to stop us. Like I just never felt like we were going to be stopped really.
0: I was worried at the be- once they scored and then we didn't move the ball. Like it wasn't until we failed to respond. Yeah. And you're like, "Oh god. Like we've been moving the ball all game and then all of a sudden the one time we don't move the ball is when they have scored two touchdowns in a row. Yeah. It's like, just fall out. It's like, yeah. And then this is a team that's had problems with emotion, you know, stay in focus. I was like, Oh, you know, we're going to lose this piece of garbage team. And uh, that's why I think the Jackson, it wasn't just, they stopped a and M it was that Jackson got a big interception and put LSU like right back, not in the red zone, but they were, you know, in the orange zone or whatever (laughs) you want to call that. Um, he, he put the team in great field position right off the bat. Team scored so quickly afterwards; it was over right then. So, yeah, they got they got that big emotional lift right away. Once they got that emotional lift, I wasn't worried anymore. Same, yeah. I did.
1: It was a weird game watching experience for me. I feel like this year I've been all over the place. I mean, I moved to a new city, so I don't. I'm not quite in yeah. my routines. But we were in Hawaii. We went to. A sports bar. They had a, like virtually every game, but of course they didn't have the SEC network. And so we pulled it up. They had Wi Fi, thankfully, so I watched it on my iPhone. Sitting at a bar. <laughs> oh, that hurts. It was uh, it was interesting. And no commentary. I mean I don't really care about the commentary.
0: They weren't bad. Like we've had some games this season with some pretty obvious B or C crews. <laughs> yeah. This one. I'm not going to say it was the best announcing crew of all time, but they didn't say anything that just truly irritated me. Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 We watch it from the ranch. Like, you know, we remove ourselves from civilization after Thanksgiving. And it was just, you know, the kids ran around. It was – I let them watch cartoons beforehand. So, you know, they wouldn't bother me during the LSU game. Put the kids to bed at the half. It was also like – well, you have a halftime ritual of put the kids to bed, you don't have time to be nervous. Cause you, you have like 15, 20 minutes to get them. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, it's also like you're on the clock. Yeah. You need to get these kids down. <laughs> so you can get back and watch the game. Um, but yeah, it was, I don't want to say it was a boring game. Cause it wasn't cause a lot of interceptions, a lot of turnovers. It was Danny Etling had probably his best game <laughs> as a tiger. Yeah. Uh, it was a nice cap of uh, it's three straight blowouts to end the season. It just felt like this was a team that had found itself, like it, it knows who it is. And two months ago, it didn't, and that's kind of cool. Yeah, I think that's a good that's a good point. They played to their
1: strengths, um, you know. Coming, I think part of playing with the strengths was sort of, I don't want to say. It didn't game plan him out of the game, but it was not – it wasn't letting Danny drop 30 times a game. Though he did this week. He dropped 35 times. Yeah.
0: It just kind of happened though. Like it it wasn't – oh, the plan is to throw it 35 times. It was just – We we didn't run the ball particularly well. Yeah. Yeah, it was a weird game. LSU couldn't run the ball, and so we went to the pass, and it was working. So, and also, as cool as it was to see some of those bombs, some of those long passes, you're just sitting there going, "God, if you could have just connected on one or two of those against Bama." I know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was it, it was it's part of that what could have been kind of thing. I know we've talked about it online on the site. I still think this is kind of a team that got about as much out of their talent as they could have. I really don't have a what could have been on this season, but in that moment, you're like, "God, we could have beaten Bama this year." Yeah, I've, like,
1: so this is the bullshit semantics I've talked myself into. But like, last year's team was definitely the what should have been team. Yes, because they were very talented and just and they lost every game closely, and they should have won more games. But this year's team was probably. I can go with the could-have-been because they lost to a couple games that they shouldn't have lost, or at least one. I mean, State, I know they lost to Ole Miss, but State was a good team and
0: road yeah. game, whatever. They shouldn't have lost to Troy. I mean, Yeah, but I also view Troy as sort of a loss that had to happen.
1: Yeah, yeah. In the, in the big like, picture, I mean, even the players are saying that now. Like, I don't know. I think yeah, it's so, Jamie Moore or someone that was like, we wouldn't be where we are if we didn't lose that game.
0: And I, I think he's right. I think that was the wake-up call. And you kind of need a game like that to say, oh, oh, shit, we can't just show up. You know, you can't just roll your helmet out there. And it's also the one where I... It's the the week after is where Orgeron, I think, really became a head coach. Like, he really sat down and said, hey, what's working, what's not? I, I remember that week how kind of panicked we were about everything. Like, you know, there was the meddling of the AD sitting down and stuff like that. But in retrospect... That looks like it was actually – they were actually figuring things out. Like they were tr- truly identifying what were the problems. It's I know. Like, okay.
1: You remember how much shit people made fun of him for that? Like it was such a joke. Everyone was like, oh my god, blah, 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 blah. And I know we just lost a Troy, so that sort of stoked the flames. But I can remember talking about it on this show or maybe writing about it and just being like – No. An all-hands-on-deck thing can be very good. Like I, I, I think was really focused.
0: I think that kind of was our our take was this could be a good thing. You know, like everybody has now. I, mean, I, I I I know I was concerned that Aliev is in the room, but at the same time, yeah, that was bizarre. It's still bizarre. Huh? <laughs> it, it still is. But you do need to sit down with your offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and say, okay, what do we got? You know, what is working and what isn't. And I think the big thing is that early in the, when we did our preview before the year, we're saying like how good can LSU be. One of my big things is LSU will have the best player on the field in every game whenever – whatever's happening because if they're on defense, they'll have Arden Key. and If they're on offense, they'll have Darius Geis. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of like was your your safety net. And that safety net got yanked out from under him for the entire first month of the season. And honestly, Arden Key never got to 100 percent this year. No, really? Once he got healthy – once he got healthy, he hurt his hand. So he had another injury. Darius Geis eventually came around to being Darius Geis, but I he was hurt for the beginning of the year. It was clear he was hurt. So that whole safety net of, oh well, I'll always have the best player in the field didn't actually happen. So I think he had to sit down after the Troy game and say, okay, what actually is my safety net? Like what should I when nothing else works, what's the thing that I need to be going back to? Because I can't go back to what I thought I was gonna be able to.
1: Yeah, it was a very – it was a, a big clarifying moment for this coaching staff, this team,
0: uh, everyone. Also, it's, it was a very – he showed a lot of humility I guess is the best way. Like he didn't keep trying to – if we want to relate this to Miles, he didn't keep pounding the round peg in the square hole. Yeah. I, I think he looked and said, oh, God, I have a round peg. Let's, let's look for a round hole. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, know, let's look for a square peg. Like, which which of the two can I do? I I think he was much more flexible as a head coach. But also, I think there's a lot to be said for a head coach who, in the middle of the year, can switch gears like he did and say, okay, what's working, what's not? Let's chunk what isn't working. Let's actually do – like, it is hard for a coach to do that. It is hard to let go of an idea.
1: Yeah, and it it – honestly, it showed – you and I have talked about this on the show a lot and it's you specifically something you hate is the sort of talking points that coaches do. And the big raw, you know, the big rallying PR bullet for hiring. Oh, is that he was a changed man, quote unquote. Um, and he, uh, this showed it, right? Like this was, he managed yeah. this way differently than he did exactly I, what he's been telling us. He was, he's like, I was a stubborn and, you know all these
0: wrong things, and now I'm different. And he showed it. Uh, I think he absolutely did, and and that's how come the Troy loss. It doesn't bother me. Also, it doesn't cost you anything. The SEC. I mean, it's embarrassing for a week, but and I remember I wrote about this. You know when it happened. Just about every coach in their first year has big embarrassing losses. It's and I'm not just talking you know, Ed Orgeron, I'm talking everybody. Yeah. Like I remember, go, I remember going through the top 10 coach, the teams of the top in the top 10 at the time, taking all the coaches and looking at their first year and every one of them to a man had some crazy loss in their first year or a really bad stretch. I remember a lot of them lost to Maryland. <laughs> top Herman. which I guess bodes, bodes well for Tom Herman. <laughs> 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 but I mean, like, that's just part of transitions. Transitions are hard, and I think that was the moment where the team had to buy in. They either were going to buy in or they didn't, and that's when they bought in. Yeah, because he a- could, he go ahead. It could It could have gone the exact opposite direction. The, the, he could have yeah. lost the team at that exact moment. Yeah, uh, that was the, the precipice, but. They went along with him. And I think that shows a lot for his leadership. Uh, I am really impressed by the coaching job he did. And that's why I'm not upset. I, I can't be upset by the Troy game. It, it had to happen. Yeah, this
1: is one of those things, too, that it, it, I don't know how to talk about it because should Ellis have lost to Troy? No. No. It, you know, obviously, but like you said, it, it did help shape the season and spark the turnaround. But also, Troy is not terrible, <laughs> so it's like – it's not a team that LSU should lose to, but it's not like LSU lost to like a one-loss, you know, coastal – like Arkansas almost lost to coastal fucking Carolina. They're terrible.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, South Carolina almost lost to someone awful as well. Um, yeah. Louisiana Tech, I think.
1: Yeah. Um, Troy uh, won nine games. I think – I mean S&P, – Whatever
0: on it right yeah, they're, now. Like, they're like top four. They're in the mid 30s. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're in the mid 30s. And also, like it reminds me of a lot like when we played Western Kentucky. Yeah. And afterwards, we're all like, how the hell do we struggle with Western Kentucky? Well, it turns out that Jeff Brom is a pretty good coach. And yeah. you know, their quarterback ended up being one of the top rated passers in the NCAA that year. They were, you know, I think that's when they had Dowdy. Uh, they were just a good team. And just because they don't have you know, the Auburn logo or whatever on the side doesn't mean they're terrible. Exactly. Um, and also Troy was supposed to be worse than that. <laughs> yeah. So, but, I mean, BYU was supposed to be better. So like, you know, it basically Troy was the BYU game, BYU game. We thought we were going to get, that's a good point. BYU, BYU was the Troy team. We thought we were going to get. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, and so I don't know, like you, it's easier when you're looking at the end of the season. You can kind of look back in this totality, and you can say, "Look, you know, you lose the, you know, if you don't lose the Troy, do you beat Auburn? Hell, do they beat Florida? If they go from Mississippi State and then they squeak out a, a win against Troy, do they then beat Florida? I don't think they do. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. So I, I think that they needed that come to Jesus uh, moment." And I certainly don't think they beat Auburn, so I, I think it was it was a turnaround point. So it's it's hard to be upset about a loss that ended up being a net positive for the program. Now it sucked when it happened, but at the end of the year, I think it's a lot easier to look at losses. Also, if it keeps Alabama out of the out of the playoffs, that'll be funny as hell.
1: <laughs> well, you know, when, in ten years from now, when we're writing best games of the Osprey era, we'll make sure the Troy game is the top five. Just, Top five for, for Katie
0: sure. Top five for sure. Um, but yeah, like this was a team I because I you know I was going back and I was kind of reading what I wrote about the team in month one, um, and the big thing I kept going back to was that it was mentally weak the team. Yeah, you, you worked know, th- on that. Th- this team was mentally weak, and at the end of the year, I, I think they found a killer instinct. But I also I remember and. I'm not even saying I remember because I just read it a couple days ago. I was rereading something. I said, the great thing about being mentally weak is that's a fixable issue. Mm -hmm. Anyone can be mentally strong. I mean, you just have to work at it. You know, it isn't like the problem was talent. It wasn't like the problem was scheme. It wasn't, you know, any of those things. It was just trying hard, and anybody can try hard. And I I think that was – the, you know, the moment they started trying hard. They showed what they could do. And, you know, at the end of the season, they were just – I mean, they won three consecutive games by 20-plus points. And, yeah, there were some bad teams, but they were still SEC teams. They, they're not – you know – they weren't awful. Sure. And, and, and look, and even the teams at the top of the conference struggled with these games. Like Mississippi State, who killed us, lost – some games of the teams at the bottom of the conference—they lost to Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. They almost lost to Arkansas. Yeah, and we went through and just blitzed—you know—blew their doors off. So I think there's a lot to be said for how the, this team finished up the season, and I think it speaks a lot to how mentally strong they became. And I think it wasn't just—it wasn't that they weren't trying in the beginning. It's just that they weren't focused in their trying. And there was a little bit. I do think there was a little bit of giving up. Like when bad things happened, there was a big, oh, God, how are we ever going to overcome this? And then against A&M, you know, there's a fumble on the first play from scrimmage, and there was none of that. There was no slump shoulders. There was no, oh, God, here we go again. It was, let's go out and make a big play and get the ball back. And that's exactly what they did. Yeah, I think injuries too early
1: in the season, we were dinged up.
0: Yeah, um, no, we were, dinged, but we're, ding, you know, we're dinged up now. Are we? I mean, key, key's still out. Um, your offensive line is, you know, still a, still a patchwork.
1: Yeah, but that became a, you know, a strength. It's interesting because it became a strength. We finally got that when once they kind of figured out the five, it really took off. Like it was, it became a pretty, I wouldn't say a great unit, but it was a solid unit. Yeah, you, wait. You were also missing. What uh, was it, Shard Alexander? The, uh, we yeah. You had. We lost Lawrence. Yeah, we he lost was, uh, Lawrence. He didn't play against Troy. And then we had. Um, I don't remember who all was injured now. Top the top of my head. Yeah. Well, yeah, and Alexander. You said. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we had some. I, I mean, I'm not saying we were totally banged up, but it. It wasn't like we were at a hundred, and I, I still think losing Key the entire year, and also look, I still think Geiss is a hundred percent. I mean, I think he's closer to ninety. No, I, he he never looked like vintage Geiss at this point. <laughs> Which is, I, I feel awful about that because two straight years we've had a truly great player in what is essentially his final year, just get erased by an injury, and not even like a like a huge one, a, a nagging injury. So it's not bad enough that they can't play, but bad enough that it kind of saps them of what makes them great. Yeah, And I'm not saying that it cost us wins or anything, which I, I do think the Fournette injury did. But at the same time, I feel that we are robbed of just watching their brilliant final year. Yeah. And, and that's kind of sad as a fan. That's just sad, like that's the thing you want to see. And I know injuries happen, but two straight years. I mean, uh, that doesn't seem right. It is a, it's a
1: sad thing. It, it's crazy because he's still had a great – like his numbers are still good.
0: Yeah, they're still very good. I, and like Darius Geis, he's a really fun player. I, I, mean, I think at the end of the day, Fournette is still – Fournette was – you know, he's a guy who's carried the mantle of he has to be great since he was like six years old. You know, he, he's yeah, he's you know, he's the all-American kid almost like and I think he's carried the weight of those expectations. And he's just, you know, it's, it's almost like he's not one of us. You know, he feels like he's a man apart. That makes it like because. He's always had to carry himself in that way. Darius Geis is just a goof, <laughs> <laughs> so in a way, Geis is more fun than Fernet. But I still think, for, I mean, Fernet is the guy. Twenty years from now, you'll be telling your kid about. I mean, you, you'll still tell him about Geis, but Fernet's the guy. Yeah,
1: there's there's a certain mythology that follows Fernet that I don't think follows Geis and i don't know how much of that is stuff we create but you know like i mean if we if it is it is it is fan media created but it's for a reason like like you said yeah. that has been sort of the chosen one forever and ever and ever and you know I, just continually fulfilling that promise
0: yeah i think the difference is that he knows it and you know it's it's very obvious that he you know he has to live up to these expectations and Geist is allowed to be whatever yeah like guy and guy seems like a guy i'd rather hang out with Like he's just you know his twitter feed's a blast he's just a funny dude um i i can understand Geis at the end of the day might be more of a fan favorite yeah but Fournette is mythic. He, he's he's our Billy, he's this generation's Billy Cannon.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. Well, Fournette also just had the yeah. He had some of those guys had some really great runs too. I'm not trying to diminish it guys at all. Oh no, no. But yeah. like Fournette just had some of those like oh my god
0: that just happened moments. Yeah, he was more of a, I can't believe I'm watching this player play for my team. Yeah, if that makes any sense, like he, he's just—he's the best football player I think I've ever, seen, you know, I've ever seen. When that sophomore year he had was just unbelievable, and it was a joy. It really was. Yeah, and but then again, so was you know, so was Geiss's sophomore year. Yeah, and it just for both of them, it's a shame that their junior year was marred by almost the same injury. I think they, you know, they both had the high ankle yeah, sprain—the dreaded high ankle. Yeah, that just. Sad.
1: You're my, sad. <laughs> nice. You reminded me of uh, as the resident recruiting writer. Of course, Fournette was always like. I think he was number one in the composite, or maybe one or two. He was up there, and Geis was a high four star. I believe he might have been a five on a couple sites. All right, that uh, seems fair. And Brossette was in that same class with Geis, and I remember saying like. I like both these guys. I think Geis is a special player. Um, and someone I remember being like, Geis is all hype. He's not. He's never going to be anything. He's He plays behind a great offensive line, which is like actually totally wrong. He played behind a terrible offensive line in high <laughs> school. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, man, but okay. And I'm just happy I was right, you know?
0: I mean, I was just happy we – I remember when he came because it was sort of like why – would you come when Fournette's a freshman? Like you know, you know, you're never gonna get the ball. And instead, you know, it turned out to be a great decision.
1: Yeah, and he kinda yeah, seemed like one of those kids that might do something stupid for a bit because he was he used to search himself on Twitter a lot and like get into fights with people. But I think he kinda I think yeah. I honestly think so we talk about a lot on the site. like there. Of course, there's the ongoing joke about how much I love Odell Beckham and everyone else loves Landry and all that shit. But uh, those <laughs> yeah. two guys are probably both who they are because they arrived at LSU at the same time and formed like a special friendship and pushed each other. And I think Geis and Fournette have a little bit of that too. I think Fournette helped Geis yeah. grow up in ways that I, I think he wouldn't have.
0: I, I That's very true. And look uh, um – um. According to Zach von Rosenberg's uh, Twitter, uh, Twitter account, uh, Geis is coming back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, you know, I, it's hilarious, but it, I mean, I do feel like Geis is one of those kids that was going to be like, I owe a Tel Shoe. Like, they, they've, like, kind of like Jeremy Hill tried to do. It, and I feel like, I mean, I yeah, know was said, like, he wants him back, but surely O would be like, dude, go get your money.
0: Like,. <laughs> I look like, like running back should always leave early just because you have such a short amount of time Yes. to play because there's a, just a limited amount of tread on your tires. So I want to say that, Therese guys, if you're listening, you should go pro. You really should. That said, you will never have more fun in your life than when you're in college. That's very true. I've yes. very rarely met a person who regretted spending an extra year in college. Uh, you know, or you know someone who was you know regretted any time spent on campus. So if you can wait for the money, and you know you're making the decision of what makes you happy, it'll probably make you happier to stay for a year, but it will cost you money. I'm um, just you know in the long run. So what's more important to you, an extra year of college memories, or you know in your NFL career, like you know two million dollars? yeah I mean, I mean to be honest that's you know how much is it worth to you um so i I wouldn't reject him coming back out of hand uh, I mean he's we're talking one percent chance he every person who's advising him will tell him to go pro and well they should yeah yeah I agree but if he comes back it's not the worst decision he could make in his life no. just on the ground that College is fun and NFL is work. Yeah,
1: you just would hate. I mean, get the get the insurance policy if you're going to come back.
0: Oh yeah, clearly, clearly. And also, like, I don't think he's going to be the number one back. That's the other. You know, that's the only reason I would open the. You know, leave the door open at all. Yeah, it's sort of like the. So I batted around
1: and everyone told me I was an idiot for thinking this, but like he had such a washout year, and not just injury stuff, but like he also had that weird absence from the program that no one still really knows and he's going to have to answer for that at least privately during his combine interviews and stuff but I don't know how much does that impact his draft status to the point that like
0: this guy was going to be like a top five pick and now is is he like I would say he's a top ten pick now he's still listed on you know ESPN I think he's still listed as the number one line um, outside linebacker on the board
1: yeah, and if teams um, yeah. still feel that way, then obviously you should go. I'm just saying if it drives his value down.
0: The difference is is he could have come out like a Miles Garrett type where people are talking about you as the first pick. Exactly. I mean, like, let's face it. A guy who can rush the quarterback at this point is just as important as quarterbacks in the NFL these days. Yeah. And he, he is not going to be up for the number one pick, which he could have been had this year gone great. So... Could he come back and improve his draft status? Actually, I think he could. Um, if I don't think he will, because I, I, I he's definitely a guy that I just don't think school is for him. Yeah, I think he's all he, he was yeah. on a three year plan pretty much the whole time. Yeah, like <clears throat> I, I I just don't think he enjoys school the way Darius Geist does. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, you know, like Ge- Geist loves. Like, you know, you can't fake his kind of enthusiasm. No doubt. And yeah, I'm just talking about like stuff like on the rope line kind of stuff and doing the tiger walk. Like he's just, he's just an infectiously cool dude.
1: Yeah. And post games, like his interviews are always, you can tell he just appreciates (laughs) the
0: moment and being... (laughs) He's off the rails. Yeah, like he, he's completely unfiltered right now. Arden Key is definitely much more hey, um I'm here, I'm playing, you know, he'll 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 give you your de rigueur, you know, I love the Tigers stuff, but he he's he's looking at the NFL. And I don't blame him. He he'll he'll be a top ten pick, probably.
1: Well if we're if we're talking about returns for next year, I guess that's a segue, motherfucker. Look at that! We should talk about the non-news news story of the week, which is the Matt Canada drama.
0: Yeah, I think that's we want there to be drama.
1: So I was getting, but you know, Carter Bryant was hitting me up about it today because he did his pod about the issue. Uh, then one of my buddies was also hitting me up about it, like. I don't know. I mean, Carter's big thing that he's harping on is like, why didn't O just come out and basically effusively praise Canada and be like, we're, "We we we won't really want him back." Instead, he was just sort of like, "Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna look around." Like he just kind of no played it. But I'm also like, so this is where uh, again, this is going to sound like such an LSU homer, but I, I'm and I am, but like the offense wasn't so great this year that.
0: To me, you should go out there and stump for your offensive coordinator. Like he did a good job. I totally agree with that. I I think and his offense was not anything special.
1: (laughs) And so they asked him like what do you think of Matt? And he's like, he did a good job. I think that was the appropriate (laughs) level of answer. Like, yeah,
0: he did a good job. Well, and like we averaged six point two eight yards per play. Last year we had averaged six point seven one, and the year before we averaged six point seven oh. It, it, this offense wasn't as efficient as it was before and honestly you only gained 412 yards a game and you know the year before 423 the year before that 437 so either if you go by efficiency or total offense we've taken a step back it felt better because the offense never turned the ball over but honestly yeah it was I don't want to say it was miles in, but it wasn't better than last Miles's last offense. It just was I mean I think it it felt more coherent in spots. Yeah, they didn't um, get as many procedure penalties, I like yeah. that.
1: And I think um, I think there are so to me what I, I absolutely want Matt Canter to come back. That's my next point is that like I think there were shades of like
0: this could be a great offense, but it didn't hit that for I think whatever That's reason. I think that's the best way to say it is that this offense had that potential and it never quite found its footing, but it it did feel better. Like, I don't think it, you look at the stats and it wasn't better, but yet it felt better watching it. Like there was much less throwing of a remote, you know, and watching them play. Yeah. So I don't know why that is, but yeah. And honestly, like I think the problem is almost all PR like, and this is something that Edo has to work on. But honestly, I I think he was kind of trying to help in a weird way. He's like, yeah, you know, offense did a good job. Yeah, he's looking for head coaching jobs. And, you know, we totally support him. You know, we're like he's putting his name out there and showing that we support you know, we're behind him. Like, you know, we're, you know, we'd love for him to get a head coaching job. Mm -hmm. Hire this guy. Like, I, I think there's an element of he just kind of phrased. He didn't phrase it exactly the right way. He wanted to phrase it, and because this town needs to have drama, everybody jumped on it as like some big controversy. I don't. I think we've come a long way from two months ago when, you know, he was literally meddling in the offense, and I, I think at that point that was the low ebb of everything. I, I think now he can step back and say, okay, it's Canada's offense. You know, if he comes back, no problem. Yeah, the rumors are apparently that that has
1: still stuck with Canada, which, to which I would say, like, Canada himself doesn't have the best reputation. He got fired from <laughs> NC State basically for being a jackass. <laughs> like, yeah. And then he made, like, a huge show of it when he won the Broyles Award or was nominated or whatever and said, like, it's nice to be working for a coach that supports you. And it's like, dude, you worked for Dave Doran for, like, five or six years. I mean – it, it, I just
0: think he has a little bit of a doesn't play well with others. Yeah, I think that. I think the problem is Street. definitely more with Canada than with Orgeron. Like it, it's, you look at no one, no one else in on the staff has a problem dealing with the head coach. It's clearly can, and also can has a track record of this. It's clearly on him, which honestly means he probably won't get a head coaching offer because he needs to show that he can play well with others. Yeah, it's a bizarre thing,
1: but I mean, it, I don't know. I mean, there's also stray rumors that like some the players don't like him, which you know is not the end of the world. The players don't have to love the coach; they got to play no, for don't. him, but they don't have to love him. So, I don't know. It's it's and an interesting I, thing. Like he's not going to leave for an offensive coordinator job, and we're not quite to the waterfall. I commented on the blog today. Like there's still the waterfall
0: to come with coaching hires because the mid tier jobs haven't That's- been plucked yet. So. I mean, like right now, Rice is the one that's been mentioned. And, yeah, and I got you know, pretty quickly shot down. Yeah, like uh, they don't want him. And honestly, he doesn't want to go to Rice because, you know, he'll take yeah. a pay cut. Sometimes kidding. you want to uh, you want a pay cut for the title bump. Um, I think he'll look, and I think that was him throwing his, his hat in the ring. It's like, hey, if you're looking for a head coach, I can do it. And if he gets an offer, that's great. And if he doesn't, he'll be our offensive coordinator next year. I think either scenario is fine. Yeah, and if he if
1: he leaves, I mean, a lot of people are being like, well, there, there goes the next season if he leaves. And I'm like, I, he didn't do yeah. so great a job this year. And it's also not like we're so deep into his scheme that we can't pivot. It, I think uh, it's both of those things.
0: He did a good enough job that if he comes back, I'm not upset. But he didn't do so well that if he leaves, I'm worried. If that makes sense. Like he was, you know, he was right at mediocre. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's just a weird, it's a weird thing. Cause I don't want to sit here and make it sound like I don't like Canada or don't think, cause I am like part of my big year long war with Danny Etling is that I felt like Canada put him in positions to succeed and he didn't
0: capitalize on them. And that's what I like about Canada. But Yeah, and look, I like the motions. I think they're kind of cool. I like that he gets – if we're not throwing the ball enough, at least the receivers get to run the ball. So I I think it makes them a little bit happier.
1: Yeah, and I think you said like it was more enjoyable or it felt better. And I think it's partially just because it didn't feel like, well, what we're going to do is run up the middle. And we're going to do
0: that until it works. It was like, well, this isn't working, so we're going to do this. And, And honestly, if it was third and eight, I didn't feel like we couldn't convert. Yeah, that's a big part of it too. It was like I even if we we're I mean, you're behind the chains, I'm not saying we were the best, you know, third and long team in the world or anything, cuz we weren't. But at the same time, I think there was a definite feeling that you weren't out of it when you got behind the chains. You could th- this was a team that could still figure out how to how to come back.
1: Yeah, and I wonder, you know, there's a lot of that goes into it. I don't think personnel wise we're quite, we're ready. You know, we, we weren't personnel wise ready to make a huge scheme transition. Canada has been very, very uh, clear that like he'll run the offense that works. He's not going to force a system on players. And I think that might've been, I think, O probably wanted a more opened explosive offense. And they quickly realized we don't have that.
0: Yeah. I think that was the thing. It's like, they just couldn't. Yeah. They, they just, they couldn't reliably get big plays. Like if that makes any sense. Like he wanted to be able to, you know, and also there was no razzle dazzle to it, which is okay. Uh, I'm not trying to say that's a that's a problem, but I do think there was an element of, you know, hey, you know, I thought we were promised, you know, the, an offense that was going to be running trick plays and you know doing all sorts of cool stuff, and it was a very consistent I mean, kind of offense. offense. It, yes, it
1: was still conservative. So I mean, whatever. I mean, it's not what I wanted either. Like I wanted us to be more aggressive, and I think that aligns with O's history, at least you know Miami, USC, that sort of thing, of what he thinks is great offense. But I mean, I mean we're just
0: not there yet. So yeah, it's it's a building process. So and you know maybe it will happen en route to you know Miles Brennan winning eight Heisman's. That's true. It's going
1: to be hard for yeah, him so, to win uh, two a year, but I think he can do it. Well, he's now
0: going to have to um, somehow win like 2.5 a year. Yeah. Well, if anyone can do it, yeah, it's Miles on. Brennan. Okay. Well, we're, we're in.
1: <laughs> well, while we're talking next year too, I, there's a couple questions about this, but I think we should talk – or do, should we just go to questions and address it that way?
0: It, yeah. Yeah. If there's something in questions, let's go to question time. Okay. Let me uh, pull up the old trusty Twitter. Unless there was like a specific thing you wanted to deal with before you got the question time. Yeah, if you I, had something.
1: Well, yes, I do. But I browse the questions and there are questions related to it. So I just. Uh, okay. Two birds with one stone and such. All right. You know. Instead of me getting to the question and being like, well, we already answered that, you know.
0: Hey, yeah. Because well, we care about our listeners. Yeah. You pieces of shit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh okay i think i uh here we go okay so uh luke from 2011 or l.e.s less smiles this is his name on the twitter yeah. um how many coaches are on the market right now could you name that are better higher than greg Schiano?
0: Um, I don't want to say all of them. And look, every coach is on the market, technically. Um, but Greg Shiano would be very low on my list of coaches to hire.
1: I've seen so many pro and anti-Sciano arguments. You know, I don't think he's nearly as bad as people made him out to be. He's probably not as good as people that like him make him out to be either. Uh, he seems like
0: a bit of a dickhead, so that's that's kind of my thing. I, and you know I don't like dickhead coaches. That that the shit it, it it wears real thin with me. Yeah. And and let's face it, he's a defensive coordinator of Ohio State that led up fifty points to Iowa. Um I'm not that enamored with the job he did. Um I, w- I would. Good.
1: I don't know how you feel, but I was very like eye rolly about the whole like the Tennessee fans trying to act like they made some moral stand about this. Yeah, that's like, oh, bullshit. Oh, fuck off! Like if he was a great coach, like a
0: truly great coach, you would have you wouldn't have given a shit. And also, Greg Schiano did what? Course, it, let's look at what's saying under the testimony. One of the people testified that Greg Schiano witnessed Sandusky doing something with a boy, and then he reported it to them. As told, that was told, yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, that was what the person said under oath. I think it was McQueary who said that, but don't hold me to that. And I yeah. forget whose testimony it was. It was McQueary, so, but it was told to him by Tom Bradley. So yes. basically you're saying that when Greg Chiano was 22, 23 years old and on his first job working for Joe fucking Paterno, you know, a guy who can make or break his career, and he saw a legend Jerry Sandusky doing something he wasn't supposed to do, he then came back and reported it to his supervisor as he was supposed to and as outlined in the employee handbook. And he's a bad guy for that? Like I don't get what people expected Chiano to do. Like, if he reported to his supervisor, that's what you're supposed to do. And do they want him to make this huge campaign when he's a guy fresh out of college working for a legendary coach who can ruin him? I guess they would like, say call the police. I don't know. Uh, but does do we know that he had enough to call the police at that point? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Everybody imagines themselves to be this massive badass in this situation when you wouldn't be. You think about things of, oh – you know, this will ruin my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I thought a lot yeah. of the hand handwringing was overwrought. So, yeah, like, I don't even think that Shiano did anything wrong. You know, I think Penn State clearly did wrong. I'm not trying to justify, I'm not a Penn State truther. But if a young grad assistant reports to up the chain, that's what's supposed to happen. What's the breakdown was above Shiano. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it it should have gone, he reported it to one guy who reports it to Paterno, who reports it to the A D, who then, you know, you know, brings down the hammer of the gods. <sighs> yeah. What a Yeah, without you know, it's not get into Penn State, it's just all but <laughs> I don't think Chiano is a guilty party in, you know, in, in the Penn State mess.
1: No, and I think the way that the search has continued on has clearly exhibited what t- Tennessee fans truly—they're acting like spoiled children. It's ridiculous to me.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know. And you know, right now, it's 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 Leach. Right now, that was the big Twitter rumor. And let's face it—if your concern is a guy who's a you know who is an asshole who has done borderline illegal things, Leach is not a guy you would hire. Yeah. Because he – I mean, what he did at Texas Tech, look, I mean, I think what's-his-face, you know, uh, Craig James is one of the biggest assholes on the planet. But Leach did mistreat his child. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, let's not forget that, you know, like Leach pretty much did everything he could to open up Texas Tech to a lawsuit there and showed a complete casual disregard for the guy's concussion. Yep. So let's not, you know. Oh, I care about you know the morals and you know doing the right thing. Oh, I'm going to hire the guy who, you know, basically trying to punish a guy with a medical condition. Like, fuck you! You don't care. You just do not like Greg Ciano's record. Yeah, that was really what.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, they're just pissed at John Curry. I mean, that's who they're really mad at. To me, no, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Well, we were pissed yeah. at Aliva, you know, and like Aliva hired O and a lot of people hated it, a lot of people loved it, and now everyone's just kind of like, okay, it's like we're over. Yeah.
0: Like, yeah, like I, I hated the O hire, but I didn't, you know, I didn't protest. I didn't line up to cancel my tickets.
1: Right. Like if they, that's what a, that was a, I saw that tweet going around. If we hired Dave Doran, we're we're showing up tomorrow to cancel our season tickets. I'm like, what? Dave Doran is
0: like a perfectly fine coach. Like what is wrong with Dave fucking Doran? <laughs> yeah, like I kind of like Dave Doran. Like, uh and, yeah, look, I didn't like the O hire when it happened, but he's kind of winning me over. He's done everything. I'm giving the guy a shot. I think he's done a really good job this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, and if, I think I tweeted this, but, like, if, if LSU had hired Doran last year instead of O, I mean, I would have said, oh. like, I have
0: some concerns, but I also think there's some positives here. Like, well, Yeah, I would have been, been okay with that. I, you know, that would have been definitely a backup option, but at that point, they were clearly on their backup options. I wouldn't have been pissed about Dave Dorn. Yeah, I don't get that. Tennessee fans—they are proving their madness. They really are.
1: Uh, okay, Christina, where will Les Miles end up? And I'm—am I allowed to cheer for that team? Uh, my answer is
0: retired. So yes, you can cheer for all the retirees you want. Yeah, uh, I'm once again going with third host on the Sneaky Good Podcast. And yeah, you should totally cheer for the Sneaky Good Podcast. We're awesome. Um, Yeah, I don't think he's ever going to coach again. I think he Uh, totally is just playing up. Uh, Yeah, I I think he's enjoying – I I think when he first got fired, he wanted to coach again. Yeah. But the longer you are retired, the harder it is to get back in the game just because it is a grind.
1: Yeah, and I think he's doing the whole keeping up
0: with appearances for his buyout. I totally agree with that. And that's why he's throwing his hat in the ring in Tennessee knowing yeah, for sure exactly. that they will not hire him. Like, But he's done his due diligence. You can't say that he he's is not trucking He's not seeking employment. Yeah. So it's good for him. We owe him the money. Pay it. Yep.
1: He's building a fucking house in Baton Rouge, and I know they're, they were trying to be like, oh, he's delaying construction in case he gets a job. I'm like, OK. Yeah. You don't yeah. set out on a mission to build a fucking new house with intentions of like, oh, yeah, I might get a job. I think I'm going to move now. Like, yeah. He wants to be the AD. Let's be honest. That's the job he wants. Yeah, that's a good point. I, yeah, like, I think he really loves the community, and he – I mean they're building a new fucking house.
0: Okay. Yeah, he, he he wants to be LSU AD. He doesn't want to be Tennessee's
1: head football coach. <laughs> no, that would be interesting if he was somehow became our AD. But uh, okay, Paul Hensy Hensy. I don't know if I got his name right. Uh, if we played A and M twelve times, would Atling win the Heisman? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Obviously, yes. No, he wouldn't because he wouldn't have a key game. Like he needs, well, you, I- you still need that rally game. You know where you beat a big time opponent. That's a big part of the Heisman, the mythos. So he wouldn't get it because, you know, you just beat A&M by 20 points every time. He would never have that moment to show his moxie.
1: What if for one of those games he allowed us to get into like a 21-point deficit that he then like threw us out of for a huge win? Then,
0: then everyone would just say he just beat A&M, so who cares? <laughs> like yeah. So, no, you need to beat a good team.
1: <clears throat> All right, here we go. Timmy. Timmy Sports, this is what I was going to bring up. Uh, how do you think Jimbo would do at AM, which it doesn't seem to be a potential anymore. It seems to be basically imminent. Yes. Uh, major upgrade
0: or more of the same? I think it's more of the same. And honestly, I think someone did a good job. He, I mean, he literally goes eight and five every year like clockwork. I think this is like his fourth straight year going eight and five or something like that. Yeah. I don't want to look it up. I mean, it's creepy. He, he goes eight and five. Um, I think Jimbo, he can recruit really well. So can someone, uh, um, I think Jimbo has some difficulties working with the staff. So does someone, um, I think he's a guy who kind of rode an excellent quarterback to some monster seasons and has never lived up to those seasons. So is Jimbo. Um, <laughs> I think they've hired the same guy only with a heavier accent. Yeah, I uh well established, not a
1: fan of Jimbo. Uh, and it, look, I, I guess I've gone probably down the deep end of saying that I don't think he's a very good coach and I've used this season as my karmic justice for what is probably not a very good argument because he's had a he won double digit games a lot of seasons at Florida State. Uh, but my main issue with Jibbo was always that Florida State was the most resource advantageous program in the ACC for a number of years. And they were only like truly the dominant team in the conference for two years, and that was with Jameis Winston. And I just. I, I think. To me, I'd I like, at this point, he, he's a good coach, but
0: I don't know. I don't see anything special about him. I'd go a step further and say that. He took Florida State from being the most resource advantage school in the ACC to clearly the number two resource advantage team behind Clemson. Yeah, I think he has been Florida State got passed as a program, and that is unacceptable. And look, I've I've written even more words about how much I don't like Jimbo Fisher than you have. <laughs> so we're not big fans of Jimbo on on this podcast, and I'm trying not to be with this season. You know, be an "I told you so" about it because I do think the season is not quite reflective of his talent. I he is a good coach. I just don't think he's an elite coach. Is the best way to say it. And honestly, I like Kevin Sumlin better. Is that is that wrong? No, I totally
1: do too. I think Sumlin is younger. I think he. I don't know what their ages, but I'm just guessing he's a little younger. Um, I'm a I'm a Sumlin fan. I get why they were frustrated, and it did feel like it was sort of. It was time. It didn't I didn't feel it. like it was going to go in the, the garbage can, but it wasn't going to get much better.
0: I agree. I, I'm not mad at Florida State for firing him. I, I, I It was one of those things where it was just time. Actually, Jimbo's younger. Jimbo's 52, uh, and uh, um, someone's 53. Yeah, that's surprising. Yeah, it is to me. But um, I'm with you. It's just – I, the relationship had soured. It was time for him to move on. But I think someone will still find success at his next stop. I agree.
1: It just – this feels very Texas a and to me. Like if you've been on Twitter, a and fans are very quick right now to be like, we have more money than God. And it's like, yeah, it's got you nothing. <laughs> like, yeah. No one gives a shit about how much money you have.
0: And you're about to pay it all to Jimbo Fisher like – Cool. While you're you're also paying Jimbo's buy, you're also paying someone's buyout. So, and you know we're paying. Yeah, we're paying our coach on the cheap. And we're winning more games. How about that? <laughs> I just.
1: So, I don't know. And then the, and like, I saw one tweet that was like LSU fans just like to pretend like they were anything before Saban. Like we have the same record. We know we're just one higher away. I'm like, yeah, you've been one higher away since like 1939.
0: Exactly. Uh, you know yes in the 80s you were better cuz you had RC Slocum and you ran him off <laughs> yeah you know and look and i the same thing RC Slocum had run his course but at the same time like RC Slocum was basically their charlie, charlie mac Absolutely. so they're on they're on the LSU time frame they're just 10 years behind us on everything
1: you know this is so a larger i meant to bring this up earlier with Tennessee and i think A&M is a bit victim of it here too um I think a lot of the angst with Tennessee is that Tennessee – bear with me for a second. So Tennessee won a title in what, 99, 2000, 99? 98. It's 98. Yeah, so, 98. so it's been almost 20 years since yeah. they have won a national title, which is a short lifespan but a long time for a college football program. I agree. Uh, Tennessee has been a historically great program. They have a – they're a blue blood Yes. Uh, and since that 20 years, what has happened is that Alabama has risen up and won what, like five titles? Uh, Florida won two, LSU won two, Auburn won one and went to another. And so now they're suddenly middle tier SEC and they're not used to that. And they don't really understand yeah. that. And I think it makes them super impatient and frustrated with everything because they're like, well, Bama's doing it. Why? You know, like everyone else is doing it. Why not us?
0: Right, and, they, they think of themselves as Alabama's number one rival. Yeah. Like, it, it should be them.
1: Yeah, and I think both, you know, Saban is the major factor of this, but A&M and Tennessee are sort of impatient because they feel like, we have all the money in the world. Like, I think Dellinger did a piece on it last year with like, Tennessee turned more profit than any program in the SEC, I think.
0: Yeah, and, like, you know, it's a classic stadium. They have some of the great players in sec history it's it is a great program and they're just it it wasn't until now where i think they really hit panic but they really you have to have patience and they really haven't had it
1: it's just like the the crazy shit it's like okay lane bailed on them and you remember that like they almost burned down knoxville because of that they were so pissed and now they're like begging for him to return
0: yeah. Lane did screw him. but, but yes, like, but yeah, they're, they're out of options there. And look, and part of it is they made the bad hire afterwards. They, they hired Dooley and which I thought was a good hire. It just got it. Man, that went bad, man. That went bad. And honestly, look, Butch Jones won nine games, two straight years. And then like there was this season, he was on a pretty good course until this year where it just completely imploded. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it just has me wondering to what end do – at what point does this bubble of sorts burst where it's a – college football is such huge business now. And it's part of the reason I think I wonder if a guy like Les Miles who probably would have been a shoe-in to be LSU AD at some point will ever have a chance because they're just going to hire these like – glorified hedge fund managers to run the thing now like they need ceos because they're huge multi-million dollar industries probably you're right so like and honestly that whole culture drives everything though so like if you're focused on it being a huge profitable profitable venture you can't afford you quote unquote can't afford to be a six-win team like you have to be a national title contender i
0: guess no i agree with that like yeah because that's your brand eventually it falls off yeah uh, you, you know, you don't have to win the national title, but you have to at least be in the running for it. So, at
1: what point I mean, does like, like a program this good say, "You know what? He's winning nine games. That's pretty fucking good.
0: We're happy." And uh, I mean, I, well, what, I think as long as you can say we're on the uptick and the possibility of ten win seasons are out there, it's okay. I think there wasn't a problem with Butch Jones until this year, really. Well, there was the other problems. They were off the field problems.
1: Yeah. He again, another coach not very good with PR. Like he just said some dumb shit that made him look stupid, which shouldn't really matter, but it just didn't endear him to anybody.
0: But like AM fans are loyal; they'll they'll go on for it. Like it's always next year. I, I mean, I don't really as long. The problem is, is that he he's plateaued so spectacularly. I mean, it was almost creepy. His eight and five level i mean if he could have just thrown in a nine and four season just once yeah and also also he had so many quarterbacks in the barn and none of them panned out that was just and the one that did panned out is now at tcu (laughs) yeah i I think i think that's what's killing him
1: yeah it's just a weird scenario i don't know i mean i'm not saying they're wrong i just if you're gonna be like Every coach we hire must win a national championship in six years. Then you're, you're to be having a lot of six year
0: tenured head coaches. <laughs> yeah, because you're not going to win the national. You're probably not going to win the national title. National titles are luck. You know, and this yeah. goes back to your branch, Ricky. You know, luck is the residue of design. So, design's me to win 10 games every year, and you know, you'll get a chance, probably, unless you're Georgia, who is just fucking cursed. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, like you just need to be in the conversation. But honestly, like even though Richt, you know, was forced out, I don't think anyone thought of Georgia as a down program, really. No, uh, everyone was like, it's an, I mean, it was kind of shock that he was getting pushed out. I mean, even though they never compete, even though they never competed for a national title in the sense that they know they were never in the national title game. They were still good enough that everybody saw that they were competing for national titles in the broader sense. Yeah, they were always on the cusp.
1: So I mean Which feels uh, a lot like what happened to Miami this year. <laughs> like Miami's now on the cusp, but not gonna get there. Well, you know, if they beat Clemson. Yeah, they could there's still a chance. They're not gonna beat Clemson. No. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean to, to the question at hand, I, I don't think either one of us really thinks Jimbo is going to be the guy that gets them over the hump. I mean but I, I don't also- think the, the, the interesting I'll- cycle here is it feels like they tried – like Francione was sort of like, hey, this is a good college coach. Let's bring him in. Didn't work. Yeah okay let's go get an NFL guy maybe that'll work that did not work okay let's get an upstart like hot shot
0: coach that and, on, and that almost worked I mean look yeah. someone got him to the 10 wins like someone's the closest that's come to working I and feel honestly like that's I, the best play for them it's like they need to look if you look at am history post slocum someone is definitely their best coach and he and he's also raised the level of I think before Kevin Sumlin, the reputation of AM was, this is a five hundred program. Yeah, I totally this, this, agree. this is a six and six program. And he leaves and it's an eight and five program. That's pretty significant improvement. Transitioning into the SEC. Yeah, I mean, I I think I don't think Sumlin gets enough credit for how much he raised AM's profile. And the question is, I don't think Jimbo is going to run him into an iceberg, but It'll be interesting to see if he can sustain the success someone has had.
1: The thing that always irked me about Jimbo, and I think Tom Herman has this streak as well, is like his team's inevitably just dropped a game that they shouldn't. And I know – yeah, every good team loses to team I get that every like that's what Bud or anybody would say like oh well Nick Saban every game they lose is a game they shouldn't lose like yeah but like
0: technically but not they, but it's not you, off they the don't charts. lose to like fucking Wake Forest you know <laughs> like, yeah that's yeah. yeah. You know, don't lose to NC State when they were awful yeah. um, which still leads to one of the greatest gifts of all time uh, <laughs> like yeah like A M they shouldn't have gone eight and five this year in, in a in the SEC West this shitty. No. They, you know, you can spot them three games. But that, I mean, that UCLA game, how did they lose that? That was a
1: debacle. That was pretty, he was pretty much a dead man walking, I think, after that game.
0: I think he was too. And the thing is, UCLA is not a terrible team, but at the same time, like, you just can't lose like that. (laughs) Because someone is just a terrible... He's a terrible game coach. He's he's good at the program stuff. He's yeah. bad at the end game stuff. Very miles milesy. Yeah,
1: I, I'm curious where he'll land. I mean, I, I'd like to see him. I always like I like him.
0: Yeah, I, I hope he lands on his feet. He, you know, it might not be this year. He might have a year off, but we'll see him again. I don't For think sure. his career is. I don't think his career is done as a head coach. He could just go coach the
1: Steelers and just him and Mike Tomlin can just change trade-off <laughs> yeah, days that they just, work. Yeah. <laughs> of course, uh, you know, if Jeff should, if he could still get hired. Like, Arkansas has looked at him, I think. And someone is a Purdue alum, so maybe he goes home. Yeah, that, it's possible. But
0: yeah, yeah, I don't think someone's going to take a job that's, that's that such an uphill climb. Yeah. Though... I don't know. Purdue's in a better position than I think people think it is, but that's a different topic.
1: All right. Well, this is funny. I actually didn't read this question, but the next question was, with all the coaching moves and buyouts, do you think the market is a bubble about to burst? Or do you think college football will continue to command these huge TV contracts?
0: Yes, it is going to. I don't think it's a bubble. I think they're still going to have huge TV contracts because it's live TV, and that's still the thing that moves the needle. Yep. Because it's a, it's an audience that can't fast-forward through commercials. You, you get them live. And also, you don't have to pay your labor. So, you know, there's plenty of money in the game. And even if they don't get as much money in their next TV contract, there's still just a lot of money in college football. I, there's no reason that college football, it makes almost the same amount of money as the NFL, only they don't have a payroll. So... Of course, money is going to get spent on coaches. It's—I don't think the market's that out of whack. To be perfectly honest, um, I know there's this big talk on the the site recently that it's some you know—coaches aren't going to be making as much money anymore. I, I think they totally are, as long as you don't have any other expenses. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? I mean, it, I mean, it's not like. TV contracts are going to get cut so far back because I know everyone talks about cord cutting, but you know what? You still get the ESPN app. Yeah. Guess what? ESPN still makes money off of that.
1: Yeah. They're no, just going to no, figure
0: out a better way to monetize that shit. That's yeah, all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're watching the game. And when you're watching the game, there's still commercials on it. Yeah. So if you're not watching it through a cable provider, it doesn't matter because <laughs> they're still going to get your money another way. Yeah, I so,
1: don't, I, yeah, you could see the end of like cable subscription service, but it's just going to be yeah. new media.
0: But yeah, that, sure. that's not going to impact college football at all to me. I mean it will impact it, but we just don't – I don't think it's going to make them go broke. They're just going to have to figure out a new way to monetize it. Um, They're in a good position too because the NFL is fighting so many wars with
1: all kinds of different things that I think a lot of diehard NFL people are being like, fuck this place and starting to look at college football.
0: And it's honestly, fun. college football with ESPN, almost all of it's on one provider. I mean, Fox has a few games. Yep. But almost everything. If you get the ESPN app, you can watch pretty much every important game. Yep. So it, it, they'll be fine. There's still a ton of money in the game. And honestly, like, I know people are talking about, like, oh, well, O's buyout's so ridiculous. No, it's not. Yeah. He gets paid, like, all the buyouts. What? But also, what? He gets paid, what, like, $3, 3500000 a, a year. And he had a four-year deal? Yeah. Okay, so let's say it's three and a half million a year, four-year deal, that's a $14 million contract. And he has a $10 million buyout in year one. That's (laughs) kind of (laughs) logical. Like that's basically saying if we fire you, we still owe you the money. That's that's not a buyout so much as that his most of his money is guaranteed. And if you fire your coach in the first year, you done fucked up. So I really don't see his buyout as being, like, this horrible thing. Like, you almost always should keep a coach for four years unless it's just a catastrophically bad hire. And if it's a catastrophically bad hire, okay, you pay $10 million to get out of it. Or you have a decent
1: coach and you pay $10 million to get out of it anyways because you're a Texas fan. Yeah.
0: Or, you know, like, because you're going to be paying $10 million a year to a coach soon anyway. Yeah. And also, I don't understand why somebody has blanched at plant paying uh, Iowa State the buyout. Like if if you're going to pay these massive buyouts to fire people, I'd be much more willing to pay a buyout to hire somebody. Yeah, it's a bizarre, like it is a weird
1: thing. But I feel like it's like it, it's one of those bullshit. Like, well, that sets a bad precedent, and it's
0: like. What yeah. What is slippery slope do you think you're on? <laughs> yeah, and, and also, like, he's a good coach. Go get him. Like, uh, Matt Campbell, I don't understand why teams haven't tried harder to get him. I mean, I know he just re-signed with Iowa State. But teams being afraid of his buyout, oh, it's $10 million, and we can't do that. that that's a year of Nick Saban, you understand. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, I mean that's, if you're Campbell has the earmarks of, like, the next great coach. Uh, he he really uh, do you realize how bad of a program Iowa State is? I mean, do people truly understand I don't think how awful I, Iowa State football is traditionally? It it's horrific. Uh, I mean, it is for a while it was neck and neck with Kansas State as the worst program in Division One college football. Well, major you know Power Five conferences. They're they're just god-awful traditionally, and he just beat two top five teams in one season at Iowa State. With, like, his 3rd star quarterback. Yeah, dude, I would totally back up the money truck for a guy like that. Yeah, somebody will. Yeah, eventually he's going to leave
1: there, but... It's cool that he's kind of doubling down on
0: it. I'm really happy he's done that, but that's not a place you can win you can't win long term there they just don't have the resources
1: he played at Pittsburgh but he transferred to Mount Union so he's not even like uh I was trying to see if he has like a dream job quote unquote
0: yeah so that's definitely a guy like that's definitely a guy to keep an eye on like so I I mean I've always said that Ortron's a bridge hire you know he's a four or five year head coach maybe in four or five years matt campbell's still out there that'd be great
1: <sighs> okay thomas do multiple ncaa 14 championships make maybe qualified for the tennessee job it's a video game joke
0: oh well sure why the heck not like <laughs> everyone's qualified for that job at this point um Actually, you're probably less qualified because you overrate your video game skills as meaning anything. So it's true. But no, I, God, they, what a terrible, terrible situation at Tennessee! I, I don't even know what they're doing. They don't either. Uh, okay, Michael Phillips
1: is Ogeron really at odds with Canada?
0: Oh, we've gone we've gone over that. I think there's a little bit of tension, but I don't think they're at odds. that makes any sense yeah i agree Um, oh and i just i just looked this up to circle back for a second iowa state has finished the season ranked just twice in their history once in 2000 finished 25th and in 1976 they finished 19th those are the only two seasons in their entire history they were ranked at the end of the year
1: yeah, I was going to say the only memorable – besides uh, them fucking up us playing Oklahoma State for us, uh, was they had Seneca Wallace and they, they were kind of fun and exciting. Yeah, so, but if you go look at Seneca Wallace's numbers, they were terrible. Like he wasn't any good. So I don't remember why, but he was exciting. I remember that.
0: Uh, yeah, like they, they are just a god-awful program. They um, – Though to give them credit, they have um, one coach since World War II who has a winning record. Um, Earl Bruce went thirty-six and thirty-two from uh, nineteen seventy-three to nineteen seventy-eight. So, congratulations there, Iowa State's awful is the what I'm trying Earl to say. Bruce. Yeah, the Earl Bruce.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Iowa State had a running back named Troy Davis,
0: and that is my father's mm. name.
1: Man, wow, Troy Davis was uh,
0: you know pretty good running
1: back. Yeah, my dad loved being like, "Yeah, I'm gonna win the Heisman Trophy this
0: you week." Know, like, okay, Dad, it was total dad. Yeah, trips. yeah. Well, you know, of course it was. You, you gotta you gotta milk that for all it's worth.
1: Uh, John Desanay wants us to cover which juniors will leave early
0: or oh, stay. Um, I would put Geis at 99% gone. Key at 99% gone. Um, Dante ja- uh, Dante Jackson, I think, is ninety percent gone. That that sound, sound about right. Yeah, like there's very very little chance he comes back, but a little bit more of a chance. Um, I think Tolliver really wants to go. I think there's about a seventy five percent chance he goes pro, but he he shouldn't. <laughs> Which you know, uh, I don't know what he's. He's a 3rd string cornerback. Even though it's a really you know great secondary, you're still the number three cornerback in, on your college team. Come back for your senior year and improve your draft stock. Um, I worry about Tolliver going pro. I, I think he's one of those guys who can be the Trev Falk, declare to go pro and not get drafted. Um, they've talked about some of the linemen getting drafted, but offensive linemen getting drafted early, you got to be a stud. And we don't have any studs on the line. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree
1: with your group. Um, you know, the, the caveat on the all, the lineman is like Clap and Weathersby have both battled injuries throughout their careers, so you might. Uh, Clap, I don't think he will because his dad is an alum, and I just feel like he has probably a loyalty to the school, but. Uh, maybe not. You know, they, you could just have both of them being like, I'm tired of being injured and not getting paid, so I'm going to go get whatever money I can from the NFL.
0: Yeah, it's, it's – But I don't see
1: them being – yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't see them being valued as NFL prospects
0: right now. Yeah, and that's what you got to worry about is like not getting drafted or getting taken in the seventh round and getting immediately cut. So while there's a danger well some of the other guys could go pro uh, – they shouldn't,
1: yeah like um, John the, the battle, one like a, why would John battle go pro
0: I mean, uh, Tolliver's the biggest risk of a guy who shouldn't declare who might yeah, he's on that that fine edge, yeah, and he's been talking a lot about it, but he really should come back, um Key and Geis are gone, so is uh so is Dante, probably yeah
1: those I think those are the three that I've circled as like definitely leaving, yeah. And I would probably put Tolliver in the probably leaving, but I don't know if that's a great decision.
0: That's why I put him. At, uh, I put him at seventy five percent. Like yeah. he's that's still pretty probably. He's just not quite as 99 percent gone as those other guys. You know. It, you know. Maybe someone the, could talk sense into
1: him. It's possible. Yeah, and he got suspended. You know. So he's had some disciplinary stuff, and he had a total off year last year. So that could be enough for Corey Raymond and O to be like, look. Let's just go through an off season where you just take your business, and it's time for you to show that you're the five star. It's going to be you and Greedy, no doubt. Next year, starting corners, so
0: like he'll get his, dra- get, uh, his, his draft grade. You know, he'll he'll go, and he should he, he should go before the board gets draft grade. And I don't think it's going to be what he wants it to be. Yeah,
1: I agree. Uh, all right. Ralph asks, uh, less miles at Tennessee would be hysterical, but he'd win games and go to bowls, right? Um,
0: I don't know. Yeah, I think he would. I yeah. mean, it's, he brings stability. He'd, he'd win games, go to bowls. I don't think he'd go into the, he's not going to win the sec, but I think he could, you know, win seven or eight games there. And he, he you know, he, he'd be a lesser bridge higher. Yeah. Uh,
1: um, Okay, Jacob Hibbard, chances Canada goes, we, we hit that. Um, yeah, we're, They, they asked who should LSU get and who would they get. I honestly haven't even looked. So I was trying to think about it today some, but I don't know. I'd have to look.
0: Yeah, and there's no one. I bet we'll, we'll money whip somebody because I think the whole plan is that LSU wants to have a top coordinator. So we'll pay to make it happen.
1: Yeah. Usually, what I do is start looking through the top offenses that have produced in the previous couple seasons. Um, Yeah. Try to find guys that have Southeastern ties or ties to the current coaches. Because, I I mean, it's just a big fraternity. Like, he's just going to call somebody and be like, You like working with this guy? Yeah. Okay. Let's get him. (laughs) You know, like, that's really pretty much how it
0: works. So. Uh, that's exactly how it's and then you're just like, hey, we can give you a bunch of money. We yeah. can give you more than any other school will, so that's that's pretty attractive. Yes, I'm not too worried about it.
1: I, like, th- this does bring up an interesting question, though. It, I feel like one of the dumbest arguments is this whole like people harp on. Oh, particularly for this, is like he has to have great coordinators or we're going to fail. And I'm like, every fucking great program needs great coordinators. Like, I don't understand this logic that they think, like, Sabin doesn't need great coordinators for Alabama to be good.
0: Yeah, and also, like, Alabama has enough money, they have a whole shadow staff. Yeah. Like, you know, they have two great coordinators <laughs> at every position. Um, but people act like
1: they uh, could hire you as defensive coordinator, and me as offensive coordinator. It wouldn't matter because
0: Bam is still going to be it, great because of saving. Yeah. I'm
1: like, I just don't agree with that. Yeah. And also, like,
0: the big thing with Orsron you know, is that you've assured yourself you can hire a great coordinator because you're not paying your head coach as much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, LSU has more money to spend on coordinators and staff because of what O makes. Yeah. By his uh, request apparently. So, uh, well, he couldn't really demand more. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not out a total charity, but you know, he's he's I paid in the middle of the pack in the SEC. I do
1: think it was part of his pitch, like, hey, you know, you're not going oh, to I agree pay that, that much for me, but that's cuz so we can go get the best kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and that and we can keep Aranda happy and, you know, keep him in the barn. Yeah.
1: Uh, I just hate that notion. Uh, okay, Benjamin Alterman. What's the funniest possible outcome for A and M? I mean, to me, it's Jimbo going eight and five every year.
0: And that would be funny if they keep going eight and five. Uh, the funniest outcome is that they completely fall apart, and um, either Baylor or TCU wins a national title while A and M, you know, you know, <laughs> watches another Texas school celebrate. Um And then, actually, the funniest thing is for A and M and Florida State to trade coaches, and for Florida State to win a national title with Kevin (laughs) Somlin. That would be great. Like, (laughs) um, I don't think again. I don't think A and M is going to suddenly, you know, go to go to crap. They're not going to hit an iceberg, but them going 500 every year would be pretty funny. Uh, We got followed tonight by someone
1: called the Gurgling Cod. So. Okay, yeah, I I know who the gurgling god is. Yeah, I follow him on Twitter. Okay, well then, that explains it. Uh, Because
0: you retweeted the question. Mm. Actually, I think I retweeted last week's thing, but it's okay. Because I'm bad at paying attention. Oh, yeah, you did. I did. I just saw you retweeted
1: one. I just assumed it was this week's.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I realized right after it because I think you normally have something pinned at the top of the Sneaky Good feed, and it's no longer pinned. So I don't. I wasn't taking the top tweet because it's normally a pinned tweet. Yeah. And, yeah, anyway. Uh, okay.
1: Uh, Logan Leger. Why does Jimbo love A&M more than us? I
0: don't know. He's a fucking idiot. Because, you know, we hated his guts when he was here. I mean, do people not remember? <laughs> like, I know. That like, was, that's always
1: been one of our, like, people hated his offense when he was here. And that's all we heard last year was, like, he's going to make our offense great. I'm like, you fucking hated his offense. What
0: do you? <laughs> we hated his guts. He doesn't want to come back here. <laughs> I mean,
1: Yeah. Honestly, it's just timing, though. I think timing is everything it is, in this. It is timing. I agree with that. If they had and fallen apart last year, he would be at LSU right now.
0: Oh, yeah, but I don't think we would have hired him. I don't think he would have been as attractive as a candidate. Yeah. Um, I, the timing thing that ticks me off is with Florida State's recruiting class totally falling apart right now because apparently Jimbo hasn't recruited in the last month. <laughs> it makes me wish that Cam Akers was a senior last year instead of – I mean this year instead of last year. Yeah, and Marvin Wilson. I mean, up. that that would have been nice because LSU could use, you know, another stud running back. Yep. But do you know of anyone as their class, you know, crumbles in the dust? Will LSU be able to pick anything up out of that or you know, I was, is that
1: going to tr- We were chatting about this earlier today. And I, I looked it over and there's not really – so if the guys st- – there was three guys that decommitted – none of them have LSU offers or we were players for them. I mean, it doesn't mean we can't jump in there, but one was a corner, I think. So I'm like, yeah, we're, we're not doing that. Yeah, yeah. We're already kind of married to the couple guys we have. Uh, one was a center who I think would probably, but he's from Chicago. So I don't really, yeah. yeah, that's not local. So, yeah. Um, and then the other one was like a three star safety from Louisiana. So I just think we probably passed on them in the first place. So I doubt they're going to be interested.
0: Um, so Florida State can't even implode, right? Yeah. Oh, I mean, on, looking on. at the guys that have committed, like
1: Asante Samuel Jr., I remember we were in for him, but like by the time he committed, it was basically Florida State or Miami, so I don't really think that's going to happen. Uh, the guy that I'm most intrigued by is Robert Cooper. He's a 90th overall in the composite. He's a big defensive tackle from Georgia. Uh he committed, sorry, his highlights started playing. He committed in 2016, so he's been committed for a long time. Um, and when he committed, it was like some people had thought he was going to South Carolina, some people thought he was going to Georgia, some people thought he was going to Florida State. I don't know how solid he is, I don't know anything about him, but he's like 6'2", 380 pounds, and he has an offer. So. All right, well, you know. they'll Maybe they circle back on that one and just be like, hey, you sure you want to do that? You know, I don't know.
0: Yeah, you know, you're not committed to the guy, you you know, that recruited you, so.
1: Yeah, it, it, it doesn't look like a class that we would, there's not a lot of guys, I mean, there, there, there's an overlap always between the LSU and Florida State recruits, because we all recruit, like, elite players, but usually there's probably one to five where it's really like LSU and Florida State are battling for them, and usually, honestly, it's like one or two. Right. It's like, we're going head-to-head for that guy. Um Usually it's like, oh, we're in the we're both in the top five for this kid, but then he goes one way or the other and you know, the other school never really had an actual shot, but
0: Right. We were just a hat on the table.
1: I don't see any of those you know we're in the top two guys and he picked Florida State guys this year, like Marvin Wilson or Cam Akers from last year, were arguably see, both were coming here. See, timing again. Yeah. Timing again. So not a great year for them to
0: be in Florida either. Like, but I, guess, I don't know. And that's the thing is they can't – neither school can take advantage of either, you know, the other one's misfortune. <laughs> Though I think Mullen will be able to round that class in for the exact reason that Florida State's falling apart. Yep. Uh, okay,
1: Richard Gretzinger. It's a great name, Richard. Uh, he asked how Lowell Narcisse is progressing. I have no idea. They don't say much about him. I think Oh at one point said he's doing well. Um, do we think he has any shot at passing Miles Brennan? Uh, yeah, I think so.
0: Yeah, I mean the fact that Miles Brennan couldn't force his way into the games shows that the staff doesn't have a ton of confidence in him. Yeah, yeah, I think I it's going to be an open competition. If they thought Miles was the guy, he would have gotten more snaps these last. I mean, it was three blowouts. He should have gotten some more meaningful snaps, but didn't, and I think that shows that it wasn't a high priority. I agree. Uh, okay, Max.
1: Last question is Max. All right, so this I'm going to read his whole question, but with O souring on modern offensive football per Mike Dettelier, uh will Oliva become frustrated with O as he did after the Troy game when he meddled in the offense? How upset should I be that he's going back on the very promise that got him hired? I know. Jesus, there's a lot of assumptions in that question. I know.
0: I, 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 I reject
1: disagree with every, like three of your assumptions about this. Yeah,
0: I just – get rid of your assumptions and chill the fuck out. Have a beer. Like it will be okay. Um, yeah. Um, I don't think we've rejected modern offenses. Um, I don't think Oliva is meddling. Um, yeah. What has he gone back think- on? I don't really – yeah, what promise is he going to, you know, going against right here? It was just the I was going to open up the offense, but he, we're not the same power running team that we were before. So, you know, chill out. Canada's probably coming back anyway. So, yeah. I mean, look if if Canada
1: leaves and he promotes Ensminger, I'm going to be pissed. 'Cause I I just think that's yeah. and I yeah, like Ensminger. I'm glad he's on staff, but that would just be No, I agree. That's, that's a total yes man hire, and I hate that shit. Don't do that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with I agree with you on that. I thought when he mentioned Ensminger before, it was totally about he would coach the bowl game.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I, everyone else seemed to pick on that pick up on that but me. So I that must be the right thing.
0: Yeah, I mean that's how I feel, but then again I I tend to give people the benefit of the doubt on their comments because You know, it's hard speaking extemporaneously. Yeah.
1: No, I I would suspect if Canada leaves, he's going to go out and hire the best offensive coordinator money can buy. I think so, too. I don't know who that is, but
0: I would expect no less. We have the money to do it. And I think Oliva would support it. Yeah,
1: and also this whole like souring on modern offensive football, every single quarterback we're recruiting in this class is a dual threat player. So yeah, I don't know what that means. Like they're clearly looking at guys that can run too. So I'm assuming that's what he, modern means. Yeah, like I, I don't get it. So I I don't know. Mike Vittier is whatever. He likes to he likes to be important or likes people to think he's important. I think.
0: Yeah. So. All right, that's it. Oh, okay we made it you know made it through. another season of the books. Yeah, you know um, it was a fun year. I'm not you know.
1: Yeah, I agree. It was a fun team. A, a
0: lot of people have said that this was team was more fun, but like this was the most fun they've had in a while. It's because there was no pressure. You don't want every year to be like this, but this was definitely a take your breath kind of year. Yeah, if that makes any sense. It comes back next year because the pressures. You only have so many years of not competing for a national title that people will put up with. Yeah, but we'll spot you one. We'll spot you one.
1: So we'll turn. Our, I guess next week we can. If you want, we can do our bowl chat yeah. and probably look at the playoff. Yeah, we, you know. It seems almost certain we're going to play Michigan State in the Citrus. That's nice. fine.
0: You know. I you know, Billy sent out the email, you know, when we were all and he was just like, "What bowl do you want?" I'm like, "I don't give a shit." Like the, there's really no drama to it this year. There's not It's not like the SEC has a whole lot of other teams it could be. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's us or state. <laughs> And if they dropped us to the Outback, it'd be hard to complain too much, you know. And part of that would be, well, we went to the Citrus last year, and let's just move, you know, let's just change it up. Yep. So, and you know, I like Sparty. Who doesn't. not like Sparty. It's a, yeah, and
1: They are. Uh, they can drag you down into the muck and make you play ugly football, and that's how they yeah. beat you. But. It's a team LSU should beat.
0: Yes. So, I don't know. But, like, you know, D'Antonio's one of the good guys and, you know, whatever.